Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the OrcoCast. My name is the Orcosaurus, and in this podcast, I'm talking to indie game developers about their games and the video game industry in general. So, if you like my show, then please consider subscribing on YouTube, thumb the video up, ring the bell, leave a comment, and if you're listening to one of the many podcast platforms, please consider us giving a review. And if you want to support us, please check out our Patreon. Thank you, everyone, and now on to the show. Here we go. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Orcacast. With me today is Discordia, who is quite an interesting person. Hello there. How's it going? It's going fantastic. And how about you? Not too bad, just late for me and early for you. <laughs> yeah, t- time zones, am I right? So, Discordia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so, my name is Alyssa, but a lot of people call me by Discordia, and uh, I'm a video game producer in the games industry. I've been working in the industry since about 2007. Um, I started in QA originally, but from there I have done a mix of things like community management, and marketing and now I work mostly as a publishing and marketing and like live ops producer but I've also done development production and porting and I've a mix of indie and triple a and working on both the publishing and development side of things that is quite a resume and we will get into it right now because we're going to talk about the project you're currently working on as a senior producer as far as I know and that's aliens fire team Elite. I'm a big fan. I liked the game a lot when it was released uh, to prepare. I reinstalled it. I actually tried and wanted to play it again, but <laughs> didn't get around to it. But I have played it. Um, I have played it longer than most games I play, and I really liked it. So, oh, awesome. how did you? You did it for Focus, or, exactly. Oh, Focus. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Focus is our publisher, yeah. But I work yeah. for Cold Iron, the developer. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you work for Cold Iron Studios, and Focus was the publisher. How did your studio end up with the Aliens license? So I, I actually wasn't there for the beginning. It's been in development for about three years and I've been at the company, I guess almost seven months now, but so I know the story kind of secondhand, but they were actually working on their own original IP that was a shooter game and, and the founders at the company, this is their first game under the Cold Iron brand, but they came from, um, from the Dungeons and Dragons MMO and the Star Trek MMO, uh, Neverwinter. So the the game actually started as an MMO, oddly enough, for Aliens. And before that, they were also working on Warhammer. And somehow that turned into Aliens. I think it was that the founders, um, I can't remember if they had a vertical slice, which is just kind of like a proof of content, uh, concept of a game, and then picked up the license from Disney, or if the license was offered to them because uh, a lot of people in games just know each other and work at multiple companies together. Uh, and so the people who work at Disney are also part of Fox Studios, and they have worked together with a lot of the people at Cold Iron Studios. 
So I don't know the full biz dev side of how it came about, but um, the Aliens license has been used in games quite a bit. You know, there's been quite a few Aliens games in the last decade even, and it started out as something completely different, but I don't know the story of how it changed from an MMO into a third-person shooter, which are two drastically different genres of games. I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. So... <clears throat> Alien, Aliens Fireteam always felt like not quite as grandiose as a triple A title would feel like. It always felt like a little bit of a budget game still. It was well made, but I think the resources were limited and doing an MMO is super expensive. So I think Cold Iron did cut some costs there. And that's what yeah. I would imagine at least why we have a TPS now. Like a double A, a double A indie game, but yeah, yeah. The MMOs even running a server costs a fortune. Exactly. So I, I, I feel like that is, is one of the reasons why we have this game now. It, it's it's interesting um, because I feel like that you said you said it yourself, there were a few alien games um, in the last few years and the alien license has been tied up the longest time with Sega, so I was kind of surprised to see a studio like Cold Iron, who never did something before that because it was their debut game. I mean, obviously there were veterans already and had already experience in the gaming industry because otherwise you wouldn't get that license. But still, it was like the first outing of a studio with actually a relatively high-profile license. I would claim still that a little infamous game with the alien brand uh, tarnished tarnish the brand for uh, a long time to come. So taking up that license, I would uh, almost claim was a bit of a risk. So <laughs> there you go. Um, there's an expansion on the horizon, right? Uh, August 31st. Is that correct? Maybe 31st for you, uh, since yeah. time zones are down. But yeah, in just a few weeks, the first expansion for the game. Although we've released a lot of seasonal content updates since it launched. Yeah, I've seen them. Can you uh, can you shed a little bit of light on the uh, expansion and what to expect from us? Yeah. So the expansion is called Pathogen, and it is new campaign content. So these are the first new missions since the game launched. It's about a year since the game originally launched at this point. We've released new classes and new weapons and new cosmetics and new features and stuff since then. Our last update included crossplay for multi-platform and stuff like that. Uh, but this is the first one that has actual new story missions. So I won't share too much about what the story is about, but based on the name Pathogen, um, you can probably probably figure out a little bit that there is, you know, there's going to be new alien types uh, that are mutated and you definitely get to fight in some new types of environments, very much core, classic, Geiger, aliens, bio-mutated type environments, which are really cool. And new weapons and new cosmetics and all that stuff as well. Yeah, obviously. that That's that's always a given. But, and this is why I always, or why I personally liked Aliens Fireteam, and I think that also will probably be the same in the expansion. It was always kind of like no nonsense, you know? It would go into the mission and just shoot everything that moves. No cutscenes, no superfluous bullshit just good old shooting 
and well made, obviously. Yeah, there's still a good amount of lore and story, and our the writer on the game is very well researched, and it's based heavily on existing IP, uh, you know, in in universe stuff. So the story does continue, and it's all very much in keeping with the Aliens universe. But it's I definitely think it's about combat and the kind of visceral feel of getting to fight aliens first and foremost. Yeah, and I think the the, the studio nails that. So I hope that uh, once the expansion is out, I'll I can go back to it on on my Twitch stream and just play through the expansion with my friends. I will definitely. Definitely look forward to that. And um, on the inside, you had some codes, probably. Ooh, codes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would, I would love some codes for it. <laughs> okay, but to to go further, um, so this is this is basically what you're currently working on. You you're probably launching the expansion. Let's put it that way. That's probably your next big in quotation projects. I imagine yeah. that launching such an expansion for for such a title is still a daunting task. Yeah, I'm so as a publishing producer, it's definitely when a release is coming up, a lot of that falls to me because I'm the one who's doing like storefronts and routing things through certification with the partners, so like submitting to Xbox and Sony and Steam and coordinating with Focus and Trigu, who are two publishing partners and coordinating with Disney and Xbox. So I'm definitely very busy on the expansion. Um, this is kind of my first time in a while working on one, one project with a big team. Previously before this, I was at a publisher on a small team. So I was working on like seven or eight projects simultaneously. So it's, it's very different jumping onto a project that it's one project that takes all my attention. But yes, yeah. I'm very busy with expansion right now. So as you as you already stated, um, before you started working with Cold Iron Studios, you were at a smaller publisher. And if I'm informed correctly, uh, that would have been Akapura Games. Correct. Correct. And you worked on a game Great. that I actually quite like too. It's called Grime. Yes, I was I was the publishing and marketing and porting producer for Grime, which is a great game. It is. Uh, to the souls like and uh, yep. for everyone who's listening and you haven't played grime what are you doing with your life i'm gonna Good take question. your game a credential somewhere yeah i've i've played that actually quite a lot on stream which which was super i was surprised at the game so how did you get to work on grime um, I mean, apart from working for Akapura, obviously, but how does a, or, or how do you, did you get on working on it? Yeah, so working for a publisher, you sign projects kind of a few different ways. I think Grime was one that was submitted to us through, we have just like a portal where people can submit their games for publishing consideration. And as publisher, you do things like helping distribute and market and fund and get localization and ratings and portings and stuff like that. So try, they developers will match with a publisher who offers services that the developer doesn't necessarily have in their wheelhouse. And Grime was actually a game made by a student team. It's their first game and they're based in Israel, which is a crazy game to come out as a first game by recently graduated students. And it was a really small team too. It was like six people that made that game and the art and the gameplay is super, super solid. 
Um, so we review games as a team and see which ones we feel really strongly about and which ones fit into kind of our requirements for you know, finances and schedule and stuff like that. And everyone was really, really enthusiastic about Grime because it's incredible looking game and it plays really well and it was just a fun project um, and so I was I was the uh, producer lead at Akupara while I was there and um, we handled all of the distribution and marketing and stuff like that like I said so I uh, was also on a small team at the publishing team so we worked very closely with the developers on that project and we were on it for i think maybe a year and a half before the game launched and then we continued to support all the games after launch with like updates and dlc and things like that and just other events so they're working on some other some other updates as well they've announced that they're coming to switch they're a part of uh, the nindy world showcase a while back Damn it. <laughs> Maybe that's when it's better. Discord is very temperamental for me sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know some sometimes. Um I do never have a lot of issues, that's the funny part. I, I know that a lot of people have issues, but I have never issues with Discord of all things in the world. It's probably me. I have a technology curse, which is terrible for someone who works in technology, but it tends stuff tends to malfunction around me. So you you have to flaw grab from Shadowrun. Yep, a hundred percent. Okay, so let's go back to go back to Grime. Uh, for example, I didn't know that Grime was a a student project or a first outing of a let's say a, a studio or a small indie team. Um, and for that, it's even more impressive. Like. I, because I, I've dabbled into game making myself a little bit just to have a better understanding of how the process works and everything. Um, these people are crazily talented who did that. For so. sure. I mean, a lot of that comes from their creative director, whose name is Yarden, just being um, an incredibly talented person. He's also their producer, so he, he very much had a top-down vision. Not that the rest of the people on the team weren't talented, because they absolutely were, but for sure having someone who was so creative at the helm uh, really made an interesting game. Something where you could tell a student project when, you're, when you start porting and you go, oh, there's there's way too many lights in this scene and this is not optimized at all. This Then you can tell it was made by students. Yeah, um, it's, not, it's not just that, but I feel like if you are if you if you have a strong lead on a on a game it can make or break a lot of things in the game for sure there, there's it, projects that have gone poorly for me have almost always been because there wasn't a very strong vision holder leading the helm can you can you spill the beans a little bit um it's just something that in general if you don't have a creative director on a project and there's no one who's really in charge of making decisions or who want or who there's not a strong vision for a game then you don't come out with a strong product because no one really cares about what it is and no one really is in agreement so definitely having someone who's a creative director who knows what the end product should be and can lead a team is really important so some of the original development projects that i've been on if there wasn't that person then they just kind of fizzled out and got canceled or just weren't very strong when they were least most of them don't release if there's not a creative head then they just get canceled more often than not yeah there, there's so many games that got canceled because 
people didn't know what to do. Um, I mean, games get cancelled for all all manner of reasons, but that surely is is also one of them. But yeah, um, what is your that that's actually an interesting question. I don't know if you can like directly say something about it, but do you have a let's say favorite project? That got canned during development that you would like to see? Mm. Yeah, there's there's one development project that I was on for almost... The project itself was a four-year project, and I was on it for three years. And it was working with a well-known influencer. Uh, and it was, it was a horror game that did some really interesting things. But when creative directors don't have games experience but they want something very specific and don't understand kind of the complexities of game design and how things work together and what's easy and what's hard to do mechanically like under the hood because some ideas seem easy on paper but they're not at all easy to actually implement um, and being able to change it changing your mind when something is already in flight is even worse because then you end up with a lot of code debt uh, you know and just systems built upon systems that weren't made to support the final product. Uh, it was going to be cool eventually, and it would have been nice to have come out with that project, but that one did eventually end up getting cancelled really late in the game too, which is the most unfortunate part when it's like, oh, we we're almost at the finish line. That would have been really fun. Oh well, it happens. It, it happens more often than not uh, in the gaming industry at least. Cancellations are a, a given. Like for example, I've uh, I've seen like a few memes going around because recently um, the the Batgirl movie was canceled and some gamers were sharing like this meme with the guy with the rope around his neck and then first time. I saw that one too. Yeah, because it's it's so true. Like Hollywood just found out. Hey, we 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 what we canceled stuff now. <laughs> And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's always Gaming. a bummer, but we are not to be too personally invested. Yeah. So, to, to just, uh, fanboy a little bit over here. You, you told me earlier you've worked on Stuntman Ignition, a game nobody remembers but me. I did. That was, I think, God, was that 2007? Now I think that was one, my first year in the industry I worked on that game. Well, what did you do on that game? Uh, I was QA, so I was working at THQ at the time, which was an incredibly frustrating, because that game was hard. It was a frustrating game to be QA on, but it was also fun. <laughs> yes, yes, the game is so hard, but I do love it. Like, it's one of my favorite games ever. That's funny. But, I yeah. I, I still have nightmares about the, uh, the volcano level. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, believe me. But yeah. So, and, and that's that's actually something you, you already said, or already hinted at, because I actually wanted to ask you, how does it feel to be a QA tester your first year in the industry even? That's not what I wanted to ask, but playing such a hard game for QA. I mean, I've been a gamer my whole, I know a lot of people say that, but I've been a gamer my whole life and I've always been very competitive uh, at games. So I was a skilled gamer, which was part of why I got into QA in the first place. but definitely like a high octane 
game having to do it 8, 10, 12 hours a day because, you know, you end up doing a lot of overtime and QA, especially back then in 2007, kind of before before industry had better standards across the board. Uh, it was exhausting, and then y you have a hard time separating work from life, and I would get in my car to go home, and I'd be trying to drive close to cars to get combos and stuff like that. And I was like, oh no, I am driving dangerously. I am not playing Stuntman anymore. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually crazy. Ah, yeah, but uh, it's 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 always something I wonder about. How do QA testers actually deal with harder games? Because nope. I think if you if you do QA for something that is a little bit easier to finish, it, it should be it should be let's say easier to play. But then you have stuff like stuntman or even also Dark Souls. Yep, and you you just probably go crazy at one point because yeah <laughs> the people i felt bad for were the ones who were uh, rock band and guitar hero testers because that's so physical and they just had to do it all day every day yeah it's also something so how if if somebody would wanted to go in the game industry you say okay um i've been here my entire life and i started as QA tester. Where would somebody start looking to, to start as a QA tester? Yeah, I don't know how easy it is to get into QA anymore because they started outsourcing a lot of that. Um, but one of the best ways to get into the industry is just being um, an active member of the community. Now that there's a lot of opportunities for like Twitch streamers or people to be content creators or people to be moderators in Discord and stuff like that. We hire directly from the community first and foremost. Um, like we, we have a couple people that we're interviewing right now that were recommendations for me who are people that I've worked with for Twitch opportunities. When I was working on War Machine Tactics, we had um, a person who volunteered to run our tournaments in our community and we ended up hiring him directly into the studio. So just being kind of visible and helpful to developers and doing your own thing whether it's running a blog or a youtube show or whatever the case may be anything that shows that you are really invested in games as an industry and that you can actually self-motivate to do your own thing and finish a project is the most important thing um, because we do yeah we just hired direct and a lot of the jobs come from direct referrals so if you have a friend that's in the industry and they say oh yeah i know this person who did X, Y, and Z, and I really enjoyed working with them as an influencer. That really gives you a step up against the competition. So I'm basically on the right track, you see. For sure. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so I, I feel like also just to get a little bit more into that topic, I feel like it, it changed a lot and I still, but I still feel like even if the the process of hiring in the games industry has changed or how you look for candidates, I still feel like it's still this kind of like, hey, um, we just, we just hire people with a, who don't, in quotations, have a degree and we just hire people who we think might fit the job. Definitely value skills above education. So if you make games on your own and release them on like itch.io or if you do game jams and can show that you 
have the ability to create code or art, whatever the case may be. It doesn't really matter how you learn to do it. It matters that you commit that you to doing it and that you release a product. And that you can do it, basically. For sure. Uh, that that's, that's always... But I feel like that's always been kind of a focal point. Uh, for the industry that they were looking more for uh, skills than education. Definitely. But I mean, uh, some people skills best through education. So if that's what works for you as a person, then definitely do it. Uh, obviously. I'm just, uh, like I said, I'm just uh, telling from my experience because I have zero like education in terms of game development or game industry. But yeah, here, here we are. Yeah, um, I didn't I went to school for costume design. Yeah, that that also explains your um, hobby with props. Yep. <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite project you've worked on in your career? Hmm. One that I had a lot of fun on was Spinch, which was my first project at Akupara Games. And the thing that I really liked about Spinch, which is a, it's a 2D platformer, um, but it was very quirky and whimsical and weird and it was created by these two Canadian guys, uh, Jesse Jacobs and James Kirkpatrick, who were... Uh, Jesse is a comic book artist who does just very bizarre psychedelic stuff and James is a rapper, uh, also a visual artist, who does very weird stuff with like sound bending, circuit bending, and making instruments out of kids toys and stuff like that and it was just very weird and it was just two weird friends coming together to make a weird game. It was like Katamari Damacy meets Super Meat Boy. The characters were very weird, it was all colorful, and it was just so fun to work on because they were just genuinely weird, authentic, interesting dudes. And the game itself was so colorful and unlike sort of anything I'd seen before. And it was just an opportunity to make weird marketing assets and weird trailers. And it was really fun. It was a good, and it's a good game. It wasn't a smash hit or anything, but I just, I liked, I like seeing artists actually making, making something. M making actual art. Uh, yeah, for sure. Not a, not a playtest, uh, not a, not a focus group playtest that's a polished piece of art sometimes that yep. we get from the bigger companies. So if you, I, I know you, you, you have your full name Discordia Dystopia is, is your username and you have the for a reason. I know that you're really, really into, uh, what was the over um like is uh, yeah into dystopian fiction towns it's in the yep. <laughs> i had to think about that second um if you could choose any any dystopian ip um and you could work on it or even just say okay i'm gonna make a game with that ip which one would it be that's a good question mm make me pick one. I think Six String Samurai would be a lot of fun to work with. That one's kind of an obscure pick. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but it's it's like, it's kind of Fallout New Vegas vibes, but it's and it's got an Elvis main character who's a musician who's traveling the wasteland. That one in Cherry 2000s also a really good IP. Nobody cares about either of those IPs but me, though. The Mad Max game was actually super, super good. I was really impressed at how well they did with that game, if I was going to pick an actual. I mean, Mad Max is classic. It's kind of it's kind of hard to want to turn down that. I I'm the, the Mad Max game, I'm still surprised how well it turned out and that it had such a rough reception. Oh, I liked it, but I get it. It's no, I don't. Because 
this, this is a lot of people were like complaining about uh, that it's a bit busy work but unlike in in other games where you have that that are being praised like assassin's creed and and all these these games yeah it made sense to actually gather resources and do a little bit of busy work because you were in a freaking apocalypse in a in a wasteland yeah for From, sure makes sense for the setting it made more sense to me than in most other games at least. I know I'm a complete outlier with that interpretation, but like the Mad Max game was fire. I was so happy when they released that on PC. I yeah, love I that one. Yeah. How about you? Do you got a favorite dystopian IP? Uh, Shadowrun. Yeah, Sh Shadowrun's a great choice. The Shadowrun games, the, the ones that Hairbrained Schemes did, were so good. Those are some of the best modern games in my opinion. I, I, would, I would argue to a point I have to say that the first one was really basic and I really didn't like it. I, I didn't I didn't go back so I can't tell if they fixed it or not because the first one was like if you didn't have shotguns as your weapon of choice you were kind of effed at the end mm -hmm. because you had this one weapon that was like a shotgun weapon and you needed it and yeah. But the other one Dragonfall and Hong Kong made up for it. They were absolutely fantastic especially hong kong i love that one to death yep yeah the first one was definitely the story and then they improved upon the mechanics in the second and third one yeah th those were those th like in hong kong everything just came together you you felt like first one was just okay we're still learning second one was a huge improvement over the first one but still had some kind of uh flaws but i i feel like the second one had slightly better character writing than the third one hong kong that's that's my assessment of it, but yeah, I, I overall I liked I liked uh, the two that came after the original one really really well. The first one was very flawed, uh -huh. yeah. yeah. But I, I would I would totally work on a shadowy game. Same, <laughs> <laughs> if I could. Okay, so you started out in the gaming industry working on Ratatouille as a QA tester. How did you get that job, or how did you get into the gaming industry and then work on Ratatouille? I had friends who were working in the gaming industry and this was way back in the day when I was doing I don't know if you have these in your in Germany but Rocky Horror Picture Show what's called shadow casts which is where they would play the movie and then people would reenact the movie in front of the screen and it was like interactive theater so I did a lot of that when I was young and weird and um, some of the people that I did Rocky Horror with worked at Sony in San Diego and uh, I went to art school and then it didn't end up working out for me. I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with my life now? Oh, I had those friends who worked as QA testers. Maybe I'll look into that for a bit. And um, I was able to know enough about games and I think it wasn't a well-known career choice at that point. So I got in at a time where there wasn't a ton of competition for it. Plus, I live in Los Angeles, and there's like a thousand game studios out here. Uh, so it's definitely a lot easier living someplace like Los Angeles than it is elsewhere. But everything's also remote nowadays since COVID, so it's actually a good time for people to get into the industry again. Since you could live anywhere and work in games, a lot of games, games as an industry is not going back to physical 
as a general rule. Yeah, I think so too. That's that's something we will not be happening anytime soon. That especially since game, the gaming industry has always been at least when it comes to uh, technology and adapting to new techno technologic circumstances has been very progressive. Uh -huh. uh, they have been very regressive in other respects, but we will get to that. And yeah, so uh, I, I feel like also because, like you said, I, I'm from Germany. Um, it's easier for me, actually, because we, we also have a bigger gaming industry here. Um, but I feel like it's uh, it's harder to to get an actual job here because they still look for degrees and then you have to have like I don't know uh, an education as computer science and whatnot to do a job. They look for a business degree if you want to be a producer and stuff like that. So they they don't really look if you're talented. They just uh -huh. look if you have a degree. So wow, that's too bad. This the stuff opening up worldwide is a huge opportunity for uh, people like me who uh, happen to speak English very well and can just work worldwide because they eat gaff uh, where their current employer resides. Yeah, we just hired a German producer at Cold Iron. Nice, that, that's awesome. If you if you could or if you had to pick one game, and I will not allow multiple choices, but you, you're allowed to say I can't answer, what's your favorite game of all time? Favorite game of all time is yeah. Super Castlevania 4. I only need one answer. That is a excellent choice. I will allow it because I, I played that game also to Helen back. <laughs> Awesome. I was I was always fa I was always fascinated with the whip that you could like 360 degree it. Yep, and I had all the rotating levels and stuff. It just was yeah. pretty groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. yeah, it was, and it it looked so good. It still looks good. I feel like oh, it never sure. it never really it still plays even well. Like it 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 never lost its charm in any way, shape, or form. If we go back to the uh, original Castlevania on the NES, that one is rougher. Yep. But the 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 new cast uh, the the Super Castlevania one still holds up very well. Talking about Castlevania, there what, what was it called? Yeah, Infernix. Did you play Infernix? Just to I did not play Infernix. I don't Inf even think I know that one. You, I, I need to send you the Steam link for that one. You will probably extremely enjoy this game. Um, it, it's it's basically made like uh, old school Castlevania. You 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 probably. The moment you see the trailer, you probably say, yes, I need this in my life. Ooh, dope. I like the key art. It looks good. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a very good game, believe me. Um, then the... Uh, okay, the other question. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of horror games. Um, so I also like Aliens Fireteam because it has the, at least a little bit, also the horror atmosphere from the original Alien movie and combines it with the action from Aliens. Mm -hmm. When you when you look at horror games, what is your favorite horror game? I mean, apart favorite, from Castlevania. Favorite? Yeah. Where are we gonna? Would you count Bioshock as a horror game? I would. If, I would. I probably would let it let it uh, slide. I don't play a ton of horror. I kind of spook easy, but I love atmospheric and surreal stuff. But I don't. I don't love jump scare type. Or, um, I'm gonna be honest, I feel like jump scares are always 
really cheap. Yeah. Um, you have to earn them, in my mind. I agree with that. I have to think about horror. I know there's some some that I enjoy, but I would have to dig kind of deep. It's definitely not my preferred genre. I, I then I need to. I, I really need to show you another game. Uh, I'll do that after the podcast. The one which you should definitely try. You're gonna love this one. I'm pretty sure. There is a game called Yuppie Psycho. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard but, of that? Yeah, this is a Neon Doctrine project, I think. Uh, I worked with a group called the Indie Houses, which was seven publishers all working together, and Neon Doctrine was one of the publishers in the group, so I've actually worked with them a fair amount. Neon Doctrine's got good horror games. Yeah, this this one is made by an ex Ubisoft employee, and what he basically what he basically did in this game is he horror uh, horror styles his experiences at Ubisoft more or less oh no it's such it's such a fantastically made horror game that is so incredible smart as well and poignant about big corporations I, I highly recommend it I haven't played this one yet I actually didn't know that that was what it was about it sounds interesting it, it just it, uh, it's I would call it even more of a satire than a horror game but that's me um so yeah but I would definitely recommend this to to you and to anyone who's listening I, I'm gonna say it yuppie psycho is the best horror game that has uh, the best horror game in the last five years for me I'm gonna say now that's a pretty strong sell I'll have to I'll have to pick it up yeah, yeah. Okay, back back on topic. Do you ever get tired of working in the gaming industry? Um, I did actually take a break from working in the games industry in my career. Uh, I I left for three or four years. Um, it depends on the company. Sometimes it's really exhausting working in the games industry for a whole bunch of different kinds of reasons. And when you're when I was QA and I was just grinding games all the time, I didn't play games for fun anymore because the thing that I did to relax and unwind turned into a job and then I just I didn't enjoy them for recreation anymore so that was a bummer but then when I went to Akapara I kind of refound my love for games and then I got into Twitch and I, I really started enjoying them for fun again but definitely definitely burnout is extremely common in the games industry but I don't know what else would be doing. I'll still take a bad day in games over a good day as an accountant. <laughs> I feel you there. <laughs> I feel you there so hard. So, is there, before we before we go and uh, talk about the games industry as a whole, um, is there anything you would like to share with the audience? For example, where can we find you? Um, and obviously, links will be in the description, everyone but you can just chill away your projects and everything you want to show. Sure. I'm usually under the name Discordia Dystopia, unless there's a character limit, and then I'll be Discord Dystopia. Uh, I do stream on Twitch. Rarely, I'm kind of inconsistent. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter. Um, I mostly promote projects that I'm working on, so right now that's Aliens, but... uh, I do costuming, I do modeling, I do a lot of my own content for fun, uh, but I don't I don't really promote it super hard because it's something I do out of enjoyment, but you know, if you like it, so a follow is always appreciated. Exactly, that's the spirit. 
So, and, and everyone check out the new expansion for Aliens coming out August 30th. You were right, it's also August 30th for me, I was 31st, but who knows. Why? Uh, August 30th, it's gonna be out. So, games industry as a whole. It's a, it's a whole heap and can of worms. Yep. We've, we've seen some trends recently. What is your least favorite trend that is currently going on? Um, union busting. So people who are trying to get rights for themselves, uh, especially a lot of the QA testers who are very regularly contract employees versus full employees. Uh, that department always gets shafted. Trying to organize for fair working conditions and just getting fired and laid off instead. Yeah, that's, that is one of the things that is currently really, really bad. I mean, there are more bad stuff going on like crunch and whatnot but uh, i feel like that the, the gaming industry since it's so new also is still kind of the wild west when it comes yeah, to working i mean in in here in germany um we don't have these we don't have uh, uh, issues like that because we have like overarching unions that are just there and once you're in a union uh you're in a union and uh, they have to accept that 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 is a bit different than you uh because the you you have like unions for for some segments of the working market but not for everything and the organizing is pretty yeah well, a uniquely american problem for sure yeah yeah it's, it's uh i i wouldn't say it's uniquely but it's uh it's something that you guys over there always had with you you you, you are uh you, you know with your kami stuff and these unions and they have to go <laughs> i mean it's odd to me because a lot of the pushback is like no unions don't work this isn't gonna solve anything but I have a lot of friends in very adjacent entertainment industries, right? So prop makers, fabricators, musicians, film industry people, they all have unions and they work and they're effective and, you know, they protect people and they don't shut down the industries. Everyone's just fine. So it's very weird to me to say, to hear people say that it's not going to work. It's, it's always, it's always some kind of argument they pull out of their behinds. I, I try to, they always try to to, to pull some weird argument out of their rectum to just get out of it and I wouldn't wanna or I wouldn't understand I mean as a as a German or as a European in general I do not understand an argument that unions won't work because yeah. we still stand too and we have like overarching uh, unions it's not like that uh, like you were unions first have to form for a specific sector we have unions where you just go in and once you're in the, the employer has just to accept that yeah it's definitely an industry problem compounded by an america problem yeah, mm. yeah. but yeah it's 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 in general is the the industry has has a lot of problems i feel like so but to, to get away from the problems and go more into the positives what is your favorite trend uh, currently going on at the moment? Um, my favorite trend is that indie is sort of starting to reach the mainstream more and get more recognition. Um, 
because before I worked in the indie space, like AAA takes a lot of the spotlight. And that's understandable because they're huge games with huge marketing budgets and they're very flashy and they're good games. But I think there's a lot of really interesting and innovative things that are happening in the indie space because when you have small teams and small budgets, you have to be a lot more creative with how you spend your time and resources. So they have either just very strong stories or very unique viewpoints because they're really small teams making games and it's very easy for an individual's viewpoint to come out in a game where it tends to get kind of lost on a team of like 200 people, right? There's not, it's hard to make an individual mark in a AAA game. Um, but seeing things like Unpacking do really well or Hollow Knight or Vampire Survivors, which are just these, these little games made by little teams that make really a big impact in the industry and there I just think there's a lot of interesting and innovative stuff happening from smaller teams that kind of the gaming public and the industry and consumers at large are starting to have more open-mindedness and respect for than previously you still get some people who shit on indie a lot but not nearly as much anymore yeah that's that's true but um in, in general i feel like the indie scene is or has been especially over let's say the last decade or last half decade been extremely empowered by getting more resources more accessible to mm -hmm. them um by just and, and especially also by some high profile people just or not high profile, I shouldn't say that, but because we actually do not have all that much high profile people in our industry, most people live in the shadows, but very experienced uh, developers like uh, Louis from Recombobulator Games just outright quitting the AAA industry and just going uh, solo and doing their own thing as an indie dev. Okay, Louis is not solo, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, so he, I, I feel like these these kinds of things are very empowering also and the indie industry can only grow from that what i what i would like to see personally in the future is like that that like some experienced deaths I mean, it's it's probably a, na a natural thing that will occur over time that they are basically passing on their knowledge to younger indie devs. So new talent can really grow and shine, and then we can get finally rid of the AAA industry. But that won't happen either because they are too big to fail at this point. But yeah. yeah I about getting rid of the AAA industry, but people passing on their knowledge is definitely something that happens. Maybe not in the public eye a lot, but as someone who's very connected in the indie space, um, like I know the Recombobulator Spaceboat folks, uh, everyone knows each other and they're very supportive of each other's work and they're all very excited to share ideas and concepts and work together and collaborate. And I think the collaborative atmosphere is, is so interesting and inspiring. It's, it's just feeding off of each other's energy and being excited about the things other people are working on and I don't that's a lot harder to do in a triple a space where you like i said you just get a little bit lost but there's so much of that happening in the games industry as a whole where we, we used to see each other as competition and now we see each other as like an extension of our network um and it, that's a really nice shift that that is actually pretty 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 great to hear it's a bit like in the i i feel like in the in the content creator industry i don't know how deep you're into that it, it's still a bit like um everyone is like 
like competing uh, for for attention because attention is basically our bread and butter. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that it could also be more a little or it is now a little bit more, uh, let's say, friendly than it was like two or three years or even five years ago that everyone is just uh trying at least in some way shape or form to support somebody else uh, of course a, a content creator will first and foremost support their own content but they at least uh, go out of their way and say hey you know what here is uh here's some scraps for you too so i'm i'm happy that the networking in the in the, in the industry works well that that's good because I feel like that everyone should just gear up and uh, get rid of EA and Ubisoft and what they're adding. <laughs> well, we're, we're trying. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just, I, I, I'm just not fond of these like companies at all. I think I, if you, if you could like wish for one thing and like snap with your fingers and it would happen what what would you wish for for the gaming industry right now um i would say more just in broad terms let's say more inclusivity across the board because i mean there's still there's still kind of a lot of scandal that happens and it tends to be focused on marginalized groups um, more often than not, and it's still really hard to see people of color or women or trans people as being a, a major component in games. There's still kind of a lot of old guard white men at the top at companies, uh, which in turn just means there's a lot of that in games, and that tends to be the kind of games that gets made, because it's a reflection of the people who are making the games. Um, and that's a lot better than when I started, for sure, but... There's definitely still more work that can be done and it's kind of a slow process because you have to make big sweeping industry changes and um, a lot of people get scared out of the industry and then don't come back, which is unfortunate because I think there's a lot of really interesting and creative people who have just been so unwelcome in the industry, gone someplace like Riot, for example, or Ubisoft. Yeah. And then just yeah, no more. Thank you. Yeah, it's. I mean, riot, riot is another can of worms. And then gamers yeah. aren't a whole lot better on 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 their end. I, I don't know about that though, because I'm always. I mean, I I only have myself as the typical gamer standard in quotations. I mean, obviously there are cunts out there assholes because being an asshole is universal and can affect everyone you know that's the universal uh, disease being an asshole yep and uh but i for example don't go around and like harass people on twitter or whatever i always feel like those those people are like a minority still um maybe because their mom didn't love them or whatever but i it, it definitely happens so the harassment definitely happens i, I just mean, don't know if uh, hmm? i don't know if you saw all the monkey island developers getting harassed Twitter. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. What what happened there? Uh, some of the uh, original players of Monkey Island, which of course is like a classic game that was getting rebooted, were were just so aggressive to the developers that they quit Twitter. I can't remember what stupid thing people were mad about. It was some dumb thing. They were just assholes to the point that the developers were like, we're not going to share updates with you guys anymore. We're going to do it for everyone. Wow. Okay. I mean, not like I said, I, I just, uh, 
I, I didn't follow it, I only knew it was announced. But I'm like in my own little Twitter bubble to an extent where I just follow uh, the games I'm more or less closely associated with because I don't have the mental capacity to just follow everything. But yeah, it's 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 a shame that they got harassed off of Twitter. Um, but then again, Twitter is a shithole. Uh, nobody should actually use it. But yeah, um, I wish, honestly, if my, my favorite, like, kind of social media would still be Instagram, if it wouldn't be full of bots, but that's another que uh, another story for another day. Shame that it still happens. Uh, I, it makes me sad, like, th this wasn't necessary that they quit Twitter, or make them quit Twitter. But yeah, it, it, it happened. So... But how do you how do you feel actually about statements like the recent statement from uh, I call him lovingly John Rigatoni John Riccatello about uh, indie devs? Oh, if I saw that one. Uh, he basically said if you don't put monetizations in your games for or oh. with your games first, then you're fucking stupid. Yes, I mean games are a business first and foremost, but not everyone wants to view it that way. I think he probably just made a gross generalization that wasn't super sensitive, but I understand the intent behind it, I guess. I don't know. People at that level are so disconnected from what solo developers are doing and what that experience is that I... I really don't feel like they have any place commenting on it because they, they it's nothing like their experience at all. So what the hell do they know? <laughs> and so, and I personally, I mean, you're right, they're obviously completely disconnected, but I personally feel like that, um, yeah, it's a business, yeah, we need to make money to get more games because if we don't make money, we don't get games. That, that's just how it is. Yep. Um, but I also have a little bit the feeling that the, uh, how, how would I put this, um, that you don't have to make all the money in the world. Yeah, I mean, some people really just make games because it's what they love to do and they can be happy just supporting themselves on very little. And for a lot of people, monetization is its own skill set entirely. Like, it's very difficult and understanding things like player motivation and marketing is very much not what most people want to be doing at that level. They want to be making the games and not everyone understands how to make games and make money. They're two different things. That's why you have marketing teams and biz dev teams. Um, and it's not a real, and even the AAA companies for sure have specialists. Uh, and that takes a lot of the joy out of it for some people if they're so focused on making money that they don't, that they don't focus on making the art. It's the same for content creators. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just if you if you do content creation, just just do what you like. Don't be focused on money. It's it's. I, I just put a tweet out the other day. Anyways, that most most content creators will never see a livable wage. Anyways, it's just too crowded. Yeah, and, and it's volatile. It's just yeah, not reliable. Yeah, and the same comes with uh, with gaming. It's just mega crowded at the moment. But the discoverability of games is. Uh, a lot better still I feel like then for example if you stream on Twitch so you still get some stuff when it comes to gaming. Yeah, that's actually one thing that COVID improved for games is because so many of the events went fully digital and people were turning to the internet completely to get their games news. It was a lot easier for lesser known games to compete with the big ones 
Yeah, and I'm I'm actually glad about that because we need these these smaller games just to just compete with with the big brands and just get better at it. You know, something I I would wish for that we get like this uh, basically change of guard. But I already said that. So if you if you look in general uh, at games. What do you feel like is an oversaturated genre at the moment and should maybe take a pause? Well, in indie, the oversaturated genres are roguelites, metroidvanias, and platformers because they are fairly simple to make. So those get made a lot. And in AAA right now, unfortunately, it's sci-fi atmospheric space shooters, which a million of them got announced during E3. I don't know if you're watching the showcases. I do. Uh, the only the only game I'm really interested in from the AAA sphere are two right now. One release is actually this week, and it's Spider-Man Remastered <laughs> for, for PC. Uh, and because I don't have a PlayStation, how can, how dare I call myself a gamer and don't have a PlayStation? And the other one is obviously Callisto Protocol. Yeah. That one does look good. Uh, Dead Space died way too soon and way too horrific to let it go. And I will never forgive EA what they did to my Dead Space. I don't know if I know the story of what happened to Dead Space. Um, it held a lot of IPs. Dead Space was basically for EA a complete breakout success. It was a fantastic survival horror game. It was probably, it is still, I would argue, one of the best survival horror games you can play. I would say part two as well. Um, it's basically aliens to alien in the in the series. It's more action focused, but it still works. And then Dead Space 3 happened, which EA wanted. I mean, it started off fine enough and I kind of liked what they did at the start, but it just evolved into an action-oriented, almost cover shooter-based like stuff that was demanded by EA with co-op mode, and co-op mode kind of defeats like the purpose of it being a horror game. Um, so it's basically what, what they what they made was they made basically Resident Evil Five, but bad. Okay, they shoehorned a bunch of features that didn't make sense for the franchise. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean. I like Resident Evil 5 just fine enough, but it's it, it had Resident Evil before that, so it had already this shift into a more action-focused niche, and that came more out of nowhere, and with the co-op and everything, and yeah, the EA also basically expected this game to sell 505 million copies for, for, a, for a rather, in quotations, niche franchise. And then they said, no more, no more. Dead Space after it didn't sell 5 million copies. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the industry at its finest, like always. But yeah, it's um, it's always a tragedy. But I'm glad um, some of the old Dead Space devs get to make now Callisto Protocol. So we get at least that out of it. Spiritual successors that get made. Not quite the same as the original, but just glad to see them doing, yeah, doing their thing. I just hope it turns out like good. I just want another good like high-profile horror game that is not Resident Evil. Because at this point we have a lot of indie games that do horror. Um, that's something I wish that would go away is like all these um, Visage clones since you're not that much into horror games I am and uh, not Visage um, 
uh, what was it called? PT. PT, these T PT clones like Visage. Visage is the game I was thinking of. That needs to. Like, like, we get a lot of those or a lot of clones of Five Nights at Freddy's and yeah. stuff like that. That needs to go, like, on pause for a bit. And uh, they should try and do more stuff like Yuppie Psycho in, in that space. Like, actually tying the horror to a theme because it's kind of a lost art, f I feel like. In 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 the, specifically in the space of horror games, the Dread XP horror games a lot, like all the PlayStation One era inspired horror stuff. That's just kind of low res. They've got some really interesting things. Uh, they they do they do good stuff, but uh, the like I said, these these other kinds of things that need to go and post those, those are more like the high profile releases in the indie space, and I feel like they they don't live up. And I'm just glad to see a company throwing a lot of money at a studio so they can make like a, a really big budgeted horror game. That's not Resident Evil because at this stage we don't get them anymore, and I feel like we should get more of them and such a playstation one child i i mean that was for sure the best era for horror games yeah and and, and it's and and it's also the era I, I i mean i i also grew up on the nes and super nintendo but the playstation era is the era where i really started gaming like really consciously saying okay let's see this is this is the game i want this is the game i want and resident evil just blew me away when it was first released and then silent hill but yeah i like um uh what's his face puppet combo yeah, public they, make, they they make awesome games. They have these these crazy crazy 80s and 70s horror sensibilities as well. Like it's not just PS1 style graphics, but if you look at the movies, at the horror movies that were made at that time, they they nail that down. It's extremely yep. uh, impressive. Okay, let's go to another question I have here for you. I like to throw oddball questions once in a while at my guests. So here is one for you. How can video games save the world? How can video games save the world? Yeah. Um, so there's actually a lot of things that I think that games do as an industry that it's really helpful. Like they're very involved in charitable outreach. Anytime something happens, there's always a big bundle that goes to help fund things. There's a bunch of uh, charities for like helping sick kids in hospitals. We got Extra Life. We got all, there's there's a ton of charitable outreach. But one of the things that I think is most impactful and kind of unexplored or at least not super well known yet is um is immersive vr and ar used as a tool for building empathy so there's like a lot of experimentation that's being done in both the medical field and newscasting field where people actually are placed inside uh news stories that are, that they can experience in 3d and actually know what it's like to be part of it so it's a lot easier to connect emotions to real people and like tragedies and experiences and world events have more impact 
on individuals and they even use it for things like surgery training and psychology and stuff like that and um, I think I think it being used as a tool for empathy is one of the strongest aspects of games where people can actually get to live as others for a little bit through through immersive storytelling and because it's one of the only interactive medias where people are actually forced to make choices it's not just passive media like film or things like that there's a lot of teaching and education that happens through the act of playing games hmm. so that that means we we soon will see surgeon simulator in vr <laughs> yep yeah it, it's really um under i don't know how much you've played in vr but it's really uncomfortable in a way and horror especially like the immersive aspect of vr is i do unfortunately not own a vr headset um but once i get really really rich i will get a valve index yeah valve's a good one uh, i will not touch anything that is related to facebook apart from instagram <laughs> i respect that so yeah um valve index w would be would be my kind of choice i would go with at the moment but i need to get rich for that it's so. definitely still a niche market and it's there's a barrier to entry for sure yeah no i i I would totally do it though. That's that's something I would love to do. Uh, and I mean, it would be amazing, like VR gaming and streaming, like a total fucking idiot, and then <laughs> falling down and breaking your leg or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe the whole world will be VTubers in the future. Maybe. So if you if you and, and since I'm mega interested in in that aspect as well uh, because it relates to gaming. Um, I don't know how deep you are into the content creator space, but how how did you uh, come into uh, producing your own content? Always been kind of an artist in some capacity or another and I have a lot of different mediums that I work in but when COVID hit I do a lot of um, event production I actually started I did event production before I did games production and um, and photo production but live in-person events went away uh, so I there was a big part of like my social and creative outlet that went away in COVID so I looked into Twitch sort of out of curiosity and just to understand it better for my job um, and I said, I'll watch some Castlevania for fun and see what it's all about. And um, I found the retro Twitch community and I really liked the people and it was fun getting to connect over games in kind of a casual capacity and just getting to see people really love games and, and meet the personalities and learn about new games that I had never known about before, both kind of like retro ones that I never touched and modern games. Uh, so I don't do a ton of Twitch streaming myself, but I do use it as a way to explore games that I maybe wouldn't otherwise. Uh, I played a lot of weird stuff. I went into a lot of indie and I, and then I started video editing in, in COVID as well. And I really enjoyed, and I really enjoyed video editing that I could do myself instead of needing a lot of collaborators for. It's just a welcoming community and it's, it's, it's fun to see people enjoying the games that you worked on so when i was working on grime i dropped into a lot of twitch streams of people playing grime and there's a lot of awesome people who played that game that i still talk to regularly and watch regularly uh, it's just an interesting group of people on twitch yeah i think i think a lot of people uh when COVID hit were 
um, were looking into that content creation space. We were doing it more as a creative outlet, which is super okay. Uh, other people thought they could like make bank or something, and then they woke up to a bad surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there is that, and yeah, I saw I saw you doing a lot of TikToks lately too about all kinds of stuff. Do do you enjoy TikTok as a platform a lot, or what? How how's your take on that? I enjoy. I tend to do a lot of different things, so that when I'm motivated to do something, I can do whatever I'm feeling at the moment. So I'll tend to get really invested in Twitch, and then get really invested in YouTube, and then I'll do TikTok. But excuse me, I like TikTok because it's short form content. It doesn't really ask a lot out of people either to make it or to consume it. So people are doing a lot of interesting things because they're restricted by kind of the format of the media. Um, so everything has its own purpose, but I like doing short series on TikTok and um, I don't know. It's just really easy to go kind of viral and reach an audience on TikTok compared to other platforms like where the algorithm really works against you unless you're hugely popular already. Uh, TikTok, you just, nobody, anybody can go viral there with the right video. I don't know. It's just interesting. And there's a lot of, a lot of news. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a great answer about TikTok. <laughs> it is okay. set up for people with ADHD and autism, and it turns out there's a lot of us in the games industry. I think there's also a lot of people in that, in the creator space, uh, or content creator space in general. I've never met one person in the content creator space that was sound of mind. No, no. Um, I feel like these, these industries attract people with, let's not say issues, but with problems. Problems? I shouldn't say problems either, I think. It all sounds so, so mean when I say it, but yeah. So, people who have their own challenges. I like that. That's a good phrasing. Thank you. Um, I don't know why that is, because I feel like because a lot of people turn to that stuff. So yeah, um, to get a break or to, to deal better with their issues they have. So yeah, that, there is that. Um, I personally do enjoy it a lot though, so okay. Um, do you do you have a question for me? Yes, tell me about your VTuber character. I want to know the story of how you- You want to know the story? I, I'm, so I'm an orc, former elf hunter, uh, turned now entertainer and uh, i was mortally wounded at the battle of the milk wars uh, they took half of my body and the orcs then uh, substituted my lost arm with a robot arm and here i am on twitch entertaining people was this a uh, was this a tabletop character of yours or something or was it created entirely for it, twitch i i made i made that entirely up for twitch uh, I just um, if I if I go tabletop, I'm usually more serious about it. The only thing, or the only in quotations goofy character I've made, uh, he had a lot more depth than it might sound like right now. But I had a character that was um, that was addicted to better than life chips. Uh -huh. And, and he thought he was a barbarian. Well, being like a scrawny little uh, 
bitch and he was he he always ran into battle with a battle axe that he couldn't even lift himself really so he he uh, got killed at one point unceremoniously but it was a lot of fun to play that guy <laughs> because he was always on that trip like oh yes I'm a barbarian and we are going now uh, to solve that with my battle axe and everyone was like, oh god, no, please don't. So, yeah, that, 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 that character was a lot of fun. Um, I think it was more fun for me than for the environment at some point. Because I, I really did want to get away from the thing that he that he's on that bad trip and never comes off of it. <laughs> Despite that, I was just pleading to me, please stop that. And I'm like, no, I have too much fun. And then the uh, DM was like, yeah, then I have to kill him off. And I'm like, yeah, do it. It's okay. <laughs> I can make a new character. You get negatives in Shadowrun too, if you're like, uh, if you've got an addiction, don't you? Yeah, and yeah, exactly. There, there is there is a whole set of rules for addictions. Um, but yeah, it's in general, it was just a fun character to play. Uh, unfortunately, did not survive the shootout with, with the local gang, so, but yeah, come back maybe at some point. So yeah, what do you that, like industry? Sorry, what? What What are you looking to do in the games industry? <clears throat> I'm currently looking at a at various jobs, either community manager or producer, because I feel like I can also do the producer role very well. Yeah, production's fun. I, well, I've done both yeah. of those things. Yeah. Um. I I personally uh, think that I could like give people or or game directors good advice on how to proceed with their games because that's something you do you you're basically the QA department uh, you organize a lot of things like you pointed out too and I'm good at organizing stuff uh, so I, I could feel like I could fill out that role uh, or community management because I, I managed at least to get my own little community up and running via via my um, uh, dreaming endeavors. I feel like I make level-headed decisions and don't uh, act rash or out of spite and uh, yeah, sometimes can important. also do make hard decisions when it comes to communities. So yeah, I, I feel like I, I'm cut out for it. It, it. it would be something that would be a dream of mine. Um, Working indirectly or directly at games. I could also be your local, uh, your your uh, uh, internal localizer at least for German, because I'm. Uh, that's my education. That's that's the funny part. I am a certified translator and interpreter. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, localization is even a good backdoor for learning production because you have to learn a lot of the development and publishing pipeline for localization. It's not the most glamorous or the most fun part of it, but it's a, definitely a good like small chunk of the process that you can learn in. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just having the issue. I'm in in quotations. I'm running out of time a little bit because I'm getting old, and yeah, it, it's 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 kind of like something that we that I that I need to come to grips with uh, you're only like 25 in orc years though right uh yes exactly oh, <laughs> okay so is is there one any last famous words you want to tell the audience 
who are listening right now. No, I mean, I guess plug Aliens Fireteam Elite one more time. It's on Game Pass, so y'all have no excuse to not go play it. Hopefully everyone has Game Pass in this day and age. Uh, I don't. That, no? No. I, I know, but I mainly don't want to deal with the abysmal storefront that Microsoft set up for PC. I guess I haven't spent a lot of PC storefront. Is it bad? The navigation's bad? Now I have to go check it out. I, I'm, I'm just not a fan, and the DRM is also bad. Like, people complain about a lot of DRM stuff, but Microsoft has exceptionally bad DRM. Like, if uh -huh. the server goes down, you can play. <laughs> True. So, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not putting up with that. I'm, I'm too old for this. If I want to play my games, I want to play my games. <laughs> I'm just too old. That's why I love GOG so much. I can't just download the freaking game or Ichio. Just let me download my game. Piracy isn't that big of an issue industry, please. Yeah, I'm a fan. I have a. I think I have probably more games on GOG than I do Steam at this point. Uh, me too. Me too. And sometimes I repurchase games there that I already have on Steam just so I have them DRM free because I'm a sucker for DRM free games. Yeah, my one my one beef with GOG is that there's a lot that OBS doesn't want to capture because I buy all the retro stuff on there. It, none of that was made with with streaming in mind because OBS yeah. never wants to my source. Yeah. I I uh, I have that too. Uh I I do stream very very spicy games over at Picarto oh. and a lot of these games won't get captured either. So there there is that. That there's always also that I have to grab my entire screen to get the game. Alas. It's I, I have a special setup also for um RPG Maker games uh, that I show from time to time because some of them flat out refuse to be full screen. Yep. Dear RPG Maker devs of spicy RPG Maker games, if you listen to this, there is a full screen option in RPG Maker. It's easy to use. I do it too. <laughs> I just need to say that once in a while. I mean, there's a reason people learn on RPG Maker. Uh, yeah, I, I know it's... But if you, if you have a game or, or put out a game um what was it called oh yeah that time i got reincarnated as an orc that was oh. uh that one is is also a spicy one um it, it's kind of funny though the the, the plot line is basically an orc he, he so a guy gets isekai into another world as an orc and then he gets too horny and angry to die it's quite a funny plot actually i laughed a bunch of times at that one um but they made it an rpg maker and it's an old rpg maker engine too and it flat out refuses to go full screen I can't show it, like, it's... Switch do nothing spicy. No, no, also on Picardo, because it's just like... I haven't even heard of Picardo, but I have a friend who's been threatening to stream porn games on uh, OnlyFans. Oh, that, which that's, sounds actually, fun. that's actually something I should explore. Um, no, Picardo is uh, Picatel, or how, however that's called. It's also Picardo is mainly, uh, first and foremost, a site for people to draw. And they explicitly, in their terms and conditions, allow uh, safe and uh, not safe for work content. So I just went over there and said, okay, let's just do stream drawing let's just stream porn games who cares <laughs> got a bit of a following there too like 
50 people or something. With such a small platform, it's pretty good. Behind that, there's definitely games that I would like to play that I can't. That's good. So you're you're open to to more spicy games. Yeah, I have I have a long history with the adult industry as well, and I just think they're fun. They're fun and they're funny. Why not? They're fun and they're funny. It's probably the same way I look at it. I love sometimes the ways developers come up with why the characters have sex. Have you, have you ever played Seed of the Dead? No. So basically there's the zombie apocalypse, right? And you're the hero and you, you're out with like three, three waifu characters uh, and <laughs> when the health is down, you get to fuck them back to life because your semen uh, uh, makes them immune to the zombie disease. <laughs> it's so stupid and I love it. It's 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 this kind of stuff that fascinates me about like this is your this is an own way of creativity coming up with with the multiple ways of uh, yeah just how how do we get laid today? Yep, we make sex fit into this game. Mm. Just the thinnest possible story for it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. But sex needs to happen. It's the most important thing. The most important. Okay, uh, so check out the. Uh, Alien Fire Team's expansion coming out on August 30th. Uh, this should be a little bit before this podcast goes up. And with that being said, this has been the OrcaCast. I'm the OrcaSaurus. You can find me on twitch.tv slash the OrcaSaurus, uh, on picato.tv slash notsafeforc, and you can find me on all the social medias as OrcaSaurus, and you can find my lovely, lovely guest Discordia Dystopia also on all social medias. And that has been the OrcaCast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome to return if you want to in the future. I had a blast, and thank you for being here. And everyone else, take good care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Orko and uh, podcast listeners. It was it was good talking to you all. And I will see you in all the various places. 